1: Right. Pierce, lose it. To Avery Bradley, corner three. Good night, everybody. So what Avery is not afraid. You missed one. Looks like I'm not gonna miss the next one. Terry push pass for Pierce. Steps away from Wilson Chandler down the right side. Leaves his feet. The shovel pass back out to Terry for three. Go! Right back at you. <laughs> what well, makes you laugh? Makes you cry.
2: And now, welcome to the Celtics beat with Daniel Baker. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and if you're listening to this on-demand, good morning or good night, whatever time of day it is, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. It is the Celtics' beat. I'm Daniel Baker, your host for the next 60 minutes, and I'll be joined by John Lemons as we take a look at the week that was for the Boston Celtics and highlight the biggest headlines from around the NBA from this past week. And about halfway through the show, you definitely don't want to miss... Uh, we'll have a great interview with KFFL's Justin Spencerman. He's also a producer at SiriusXM's Fantasy Sports Channel, talking all things fantasy hoops. He's a Knicks fan. We won't give him too much crap for that, but he, he definitely knows this stuff. It's going to be a really fun time, so don't miss that. But we're not, for now, let's stick with the real thing. And John, the Celtics, they had a light week, just two games, but two wins against teams that will most likely make the playoffs in the stronger Western Conference, Utah took Boston to overtime, but Paul Pierce saved the day. Shocking, I know, but uh, <laughs> once again, he was the hero for the Celtics. Once again, yeah, they started off the week nicely in Utah.
3: Yeah, and it was good for them to have such a light week. They played that that, that was a tough road trip for the Celtics, and they they had uh, five games in seven days and how many different time zones? Uh, so a, a good light week, and like you said two good wins for Boston. Um, Utah is a really fun team to watch. Um, And, uh, of course, at the end of five games in seven days, they go to Utah and they have to go to overtime to beat them. But Pierce has been unbelievable. I mean, he's been, since Ronda went out, Pierce has been, you know, stuffing the the stat sheet too. He's got, you know, he's he, I don't know how many uh, double doubles or triple doubles he's had. I know he had two triple doubles in uh, you know a weeks span or so. But every night he's, you know, eight rebounds, eight assists to go with uh, you know, 20 points, 26 points he had, I believe, uh, against Utah. Um, What's interesting though to me, and I don't know if if you've noticed this, Garnett's shot. Uh, he's playing he's playing well, and he's he's sort of up and down in terms of his scoring as he usually is. But that shot, that beautiful jumper that he has, is not going down with nearly the same regularity that it has in the past.
2: And that could be something. Uh, it could be some tired legs. I mean, we recently saw him and take a game off, or Doc give him a game off against Phoenix last week, and or about two weeks ago, and right. He doesn't necessarily always do that, but obviously going down the stretch, especially when the Celtics are kind of locked into a position, which we'll get into that a little bit later, and where the Celtics might fall in this playoff picture as the season starts to wind down. It's a long season, but we're definitely in the home stretch, so to speak. Um, But that's something I have to look at is how many minutes he's playing because age is definitely a factor, and especially for Paul Pierce, it's something, uh, although the last couple games – He's been very good shooting. I mean, last few games, shooting over 50% in the last five games, about uh, 55% combined from the field. But a lot of times, maybe in the second half, you'll see his shots just a lot more flatlined. And yep. doesn't that, they don't have as much lift as they used to have, which is fine. But especially with Garnett, when he has a such such a high release, it's really shocking, I guess, to see those shots not go in with as much regularity because he. It's a, a good way to say anywhere. it.
3: Every time he shoots, I mean, it, it, he is one of those players where it looks like it's going to go in. I mean, it's it's surprising when it when it doesn't. And, and you know that that's from a seven foot guy from nineteen feet. It sounds all to say, but it. It's such a beautiful. Set. It looks like it's going to go in, and those haven't been falling. Uh, obviously, the Celtics. It hasn't hurt them too badly lately, I and mean, they've won uh, six of their last six of their last ten, I believe. And uh, like you said, the last two games on a, on a light schedule, um, but it's it's something that I know I'll be keeping an eye on uh, as we go. Uh, with Pierce, you know, it's impressive that he's been uh, scoring like this and carrying the load. Um, but, you know, we're still seeing a lot of stuff that we usually see. You know, he's always got these boneheaded turnovers, and he, he always will. Um, but what's what's interesting to me is the uh, playing through the, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, you know, whatever the pain in his neck is, you know, whatever that injury is, um, that's manifesting itself in his free throw shooting. He's been pretty bad from the line. He's fallen below 80% for the first time that I can remember um, uh, from, the, from the free throw line. I think that's a, that's, Stemming from that pain in his neck, I think uh, you know when you when you're playing in you know in a live situation, you you know hit a turnaround. You're not thinking about it, but when you're standing still, you're you got the ball you Take your time, you do your little pre shot routine. That's when that you sort of have the time to to feel the neck and to throw things off, and it's all about form, whereas uh, you know sort of live it's just get the ball up. Um, I think that's where it's manifesting itself is from the free throw line, and we'll see you know it'd be interesting to sort of keep an eye on that as well and see see how that plays out
2: and the numbers back it up. I mean for career shooting over eighty percent from the free throw line, but and if you just look at his past five games, shooting sixty seven point nine percent from the charity stripe, and you're right, when you do have the time to think about it, and it is purely about just repetition.
3: Yeah, it's very and, mechanical.
2: Yeah, and then so if any little thing is off, that could really throw off that process. Now, still, he, he has that clutchness in him, and oh man, against Utah, he really showed that down the stretch, scoring seven points seven points in a row in about one minute span in overtime. Now, albeit the the game probably shouldn't have gone to overtime, Gordon Hayward had himself a really good game. But once he got into overtime, Pierce kind of came alive, and and he shows that gene that a handful of guys, I mean, not every single team even has one of these guys who can just count on to make those kind of shots. And we've seen it a lot recently because he has to take so much more of, of the offensive load. But really, he's able to let the game come to him. He doesn't have to force stuff. And I really like looking at his line from that game and saying, yeah, he took 20 shots. He made half of them, missed seven threes, and, and maybe that could have been something in the neck. Possibly, I don't know. But then seven rebounds and eight assists is a near triple-double, and it was just a really, really big win.
3: Big win for the Celtics, yeah. And they're, they're pretty firmly in that seven spot now with with about 25 games to go, I believe.
2: And, I mean, you, you touched on it right now, so get into it a little bit. As you said, they're in the seventh spot. Right now, they're only two games behind Brooklyn for that sixth spot. And uh, e- e- even going a little bit further behind Chicago and Atlanta, who are in the five and four, they're only two and a half back from them.
3: Yeah, it's, it's sort of a, a cluster there. I mean, Miami has just run away with the East. The 10-0 I mean, in their last 10 games, they're, uh, let's pull up the standings, they're, I mean, just really running away from from the rest of the crowd.
2: Uh, Another
3: big win for them today in New York. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, we'll, de- we'll definitely talk about a heat a little bit later on in the show as you get to more around the NBA, see what LeBron's doing as LeBron and Wade, they led Miami to a win over the Knicks today, storming back from being down early. And that was their 14th win in a row, tying a franchise record, most likely that'll fall next time out for the Heat. But yeah, for the Celtics, sitting in that seventh spot, they're only a few games back from that 4-5 position, which would be pretty nice not to have to play a Miami or an Indiana. Because right now, I think those are the two teams who are head and shoulders above everyone else in the East. Yes, not by record, and New York definitely seems to have Miami's number. Earlier this season, two 20-point wins against the Heat, Tonight or early today, they almost beat them again.
3: Yeah, they were up by what was it, 16 at one point, and looked like they were running away.
2: But aside from that, in my mind, and I'm happy to take any uh, any arguments and all comers, uh, that Indiana is really the team in the East that's going to give Miami any sort of trouble in a playoff series uh, when it comes to that time. But for the Celtics, can they get how much higher can they go? can they get to that four or five spot? Because it would be very nice to to, to avoid that. Even if they're the three and have to play New York, that's it, it, still a lot better than being in that seven or eight spot and getting Miami or the Patriots. It is.
3: It, it definitely is. Boston always plays the Knicks well. And uh, I'm I'm impressed with Indiana. Um, they're uh, So they're the only team in the East that allows less than 90 points per game. I mean, they're doing this through defense. Um, they're the second best in the East in points differential. They have a 4.3 points differential. Miami is head and shoulders above everybody. Uh, like we discussed, but uh, yeah, Indiana, we thought that they would be pretty good this year. Um, I think most people coming into the season had them, you know, uh, right around New York with uh, like, you know, maybe the third or fourth best team in the East behind uh, Miami. And then uh, a lot of people had Boston penciled in with the acquisitions that, that that team looked really good on paper coming into the season. Obviously it's been a sort of up down season uh, for them. And, you know, with Rondo out who, who, the, who knows, but um Indiana's really impressed me. And it's, it's defense that's winning it for them. And especially now that Chicago is just seems like they're, Shouldn't say in a free fall. They're about five and five in the last uh, ten games, but but they they, they plummeted out of uh, out of the top.
2: And Indiana is another team that really has had Miami's number in the regular season.
3: January eighth, they, gave, 8th, they I,
2: had an eighty-seven to seventy-seven win against Miami, and then on February first, beat the Heat 102 to eighty-nine. They've done it on the defensive end, and those two teams will play next on sunday march 10th just a week from today 6 p.m that will be one heck of a game if miami's still on the roll that'll be interesting and and you mentioned how indiana uh how well they've been playing they've they're another team along with chicago and boston who have played uh at least recently without their best player and danny granger he's been out what are they going to look like when you add him to the mix? That's a good problem to have to have to put back an all-star into your lineup. That's a nice problem for Frank Vogel, who, in my mind, is a is the coach of the year right now. But
3: yeah, he's the, doing the a heck of job, and Paul George is really coming on.
2: Uh, the the Celtics getting back to the Celtics, I don't see any reason why they can string a little run together, especially when they have this rest. I mean, they've said that they're they're built for the playoffs, and obviously, when the schedule's a little more packed. The back-to-backs, everyone knows pretty much since this team was assembled how much they, they, they struggled of, of the past couple of years in those back-to-back situations. Right. But when the schedule gets lengthened and there's a lot of days off in between, it's, and especially in the playoffs, the Celtics are better. This week they had plenty of time and to take on a Golden State team that, yes, they might be the most free falling team in the league, having lost uh, four games four games in a row right now, but Curry was coming off just one of the all-time great performances against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, dropping over 50 points. And the Celtics, between Avery Bradley and Courtney Lee, even battling foul trouble, they really held Golden State in check, which is really impressive because that's still a team that can put up points with the best of them.
3: They were in Steph Curry's head. I'm telling you, man, those – you know, this is a – with apologies for sounding like Tommy Heinsohn, those fouls on, on Avery Bradley, there was one legit foul, uh, and the rest of them were, were, I mean, they were just bad calls and it, it didn't come back to haunt, uh, the Celts, but, um, somehow Curry got 25 points. He got to the line like 14, 15 times. It was ridiculous, but, uh, it was a quiet 25 points, if that makes sense. And he really struggled. I mean, even after Bradley went out, uh, he you know there was a there was a time in the fourth quarter there was a moment where the ball got kicked out to him there wasn't anyone within 10 feet he was behind the three uh, the three point line and airballed a three pointer a wide open three pointer i mean he was thrown off i was very impressed with Bradley and then they switched to a zone when Bradley uh, didn't foul out but got his fifth foul and ended up sitting for what uh, became the essentially the rest of the game he came in with about a minute left um uh, so that didn't come back to Honda but i was very impressed with Lee and and specifically Bradley, um, uh, performance on on Steph Curry, who was, yeah, just out of his mind in Madison Square Garden.
2: You definitely Uh, want to give give credit to Lee, who stepped in when Bradley went out, because obviously Bradley, I mean, if if he's not the best end-to-end defender, at least guards in the NBA, he's right up there. And even battling foul trouble, being able to play with fouls is really good, but Lee really gives him. Celtic's a versatile player because he can guard the one or the two. He's big enough. He's quick enough yep. to guard any of those two positions, which really helps on defense. And, yeah, the, the, the offensively, they might not give you a whole lot. So Though They both are more than capable of hitting that corner three, putting a couple buckets in. Honestly, anything you get from them offensively needs to be considered a bonus because those two guys, and when they not to away from Wolbride, yeah. Not to take away from what Rondo did, but this might be the best defensive backcourt. They just work well together. It's oh, very. Oh, it's physical.
3: absolutely an improved defensive backcourt with Rondo out, and Rondo's not a terrible.
2: It's just the gambles player. that he takes. It's the gambles,
3: and yeah, and and he he carries so such a load offensively, so we don't have to go down the Rondo road, but. But all things considered, I mean, yes, absolutely. Lee and and Bradley are incredible. I mean, especially Bradley. That was just an amazing performance for anybody that got to watch that. That was impressive. He was just draped on Curry, who has probably the best, you know, one of the best handles in the league, and he just couldn't get himself free. They were running triple screens for him and stuff just to get him open. Uh, It was a very impressive performance. It was was a bummer as a fan of the game watching – Bradley get his fifth foul and have to sit because that was a very fun matchup to to keep your eye on.
2: He kind of makes defense watch uh, watching defense fun again.
3: Yes, as as Steph Curry makes watching offense fun. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> and we'll definitely Bradley. get
2: into Steph uh, Curry's performance against the Knicks, which happened this past Wednesday night. Fifty four points and seven assists in a losing effort, but still one of those magical nights at the Garden, not the Garden, the Garden. <laughs> In, uh, right. in New York City, and it was just very impressive keeping him in check and just the other guys as well. I mean, David Lee, 19 rebounds and 10 points. Thought maybe he could be a little bit more of a factor inside just with the size between Lee and Beardrins, and then also Draymond Green and Carl Landry. It's, it's a team that just has a lot of size that can hurt you in so many different ways yeah. offensively, Golden State, and the Celtics, it. it as always, it starts on the defensive end, right. and that's spearheaded by Kevin Garnett, who he didn't have a great offensive game against Golden State on Friday, just seven points, He's two attempts from the field, but he picked up 13 rebounds himself, and just it's that communication that just is so important, and when that voice is there, this Celtics team can still defend at an elite level.
3: Yeah, and that that length was particularly helpful against Lee, who. Um can use his body really well but is not is not a seven footer, you know, isn't isn't uh can be able to reach up over guys. So uh Garnett's length certainly comes in six eleven is Absolutely not what Garnett is, even though he's insisted on being listed at that his entire career he's an easy seven one so that <laughs> that certainly helped as well um but but to your to your earlier point about whether the celtics can can make a run here and, and catch up yeah I, I mean I think they are the, the celtics are, are as good or, or a better team than brooklyn than um I think they they I don't know if they're a better team than the Knicks, but they they play them so well that I would I would be leaning towards uh, favoring Boston if they were to meet in the playoffs. Uh, I don't like Indiana. Um, that I've been very impressed with with watching them. I don't like Indiana as a matchup for the Celtics. is, is what I mean to say. Um, and uh, but but over these next few games, you know, so they have they have Philly. Uh, they're they're playing in Philly on March fifth on Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be a national game on TNT. Then they play the Pacers, so we're going to we're going to get a look at um, we're going to get a look at how they match up. It's going to be Wednesday night, so it's going to be a back to back on the road. Uh, but it'll still give us uh, some sense of of where the Celtics match up um, if you know the if this playoff seating were to remain. Um, it's going to be a really really difficult week, as you mentioned
2: that they a- a- after the Sixers on March fifth on Wednesday the 6th they play at Indiana then they come home on Friday March 8th to play Atlanta who it just they, they it's a hard team for me to figure out because yes, I was about I mean, to say that's going to be a very
3: interesting one to watch. I don't know what to make of Atlanta, but they I, have the best okay. front court if you're just talking about
2: not just talent. They have the best front court in the Eastern Conference. That's without a doubt. And at times, if they're both on their game, if Horford and Josh Smith are playing to their potential, that can be the best front court in the NBA. It, it can. It just simply can. They both are just very good on both ends of the court. And then after that, a week from today. Hosting, or they travel, the Celtics will travel to Oklahoma City for a one o'clock game on March 10th. So these four games, this can be pretty big. Philly's always a tough place to play, as you mentioned. Four games in one week after only having two. We'll see how, if anyone maybe gets a rest. Do you see anyone possibly resting up before that 76ers matchup?
3: So in the Globe today, it said that uh, Pierce has a standing offer from uh doc rivers to take a game off if he wants it and he's had that for uh, i forget what it said i believe it was for a month or two now um so it's certainly a possibility but but pierce has been declining that offer
1: Uh, we saw
3: kevin garnett take up doc rivers in a very rare situation where he, he what was it two weeks ago uh decided to to sit out a game uh it was a healthy scratch uh pierce has that same offer um so yes it certainly could happen i don't know if it will given that they've had such a light week um and a light week at home so uh i imagine and it, you know frankly these guys probably they keep talking about their playoff team and, and that's how they always approach season I, you know they want to see where they where they stack up against indiana where they stack up against atlanta um so it's going to be a rough week after that uh, the following week gets gets a little easier they have plenty of games but the the competition is uh well it's Charlotte <laughs> <laughs> and it's Toronto, and Toronto's been better with Rudy Gay, but um, they are not the Heat, who um, who the Celtics will take on Monday, uh, March 18th. So that that's their next sort of set of games after they play Atlanta, Oak, Oak City, uh, then Tuesday of next week. It's Charlotte, Toronto, it's Charlotte again, and it's Miami. Um, so that'll be a that'll be a stretch where they they play plenty of games, but they'll. If if they don't do well in this tough run of games this coming week, uh, that will be where they'll probably look to catch up, uh, you know, pad your, pad your wins in Charlotte.
2: Oh, for sure. But it, it's still I, – I think they will go after these games hard because I think they do mean something, and it's it, it just kind of depends. And what also depends on is how the new guys can play. And a couple who haven't suited up yet – the Celtics just brought in a couple big men. He signed D.J. White recently. He hasn't played yet. Right. And also, very recently, Shavlik Randolph to a 10-day contract. Um, and Randolph hasn't been in the NBA since 2009 to 2010 season when he played three games for Miami and three games for Portland. So he's battled injuries throughout. Uh, he's 6'10", 236. Uh, might get you a couple points here or there, a couple of rebounds. It seems like they're adding size, almost for the sake of adding size. But honestly, they kind of need to just add bodies at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, after they after they shipped Jason Collins off in the Barbosa trade, um, they needed another big body. So it doesn't surprise me. You know, th- I, I I realize that this uh, is the Chinese league, but but Shavik Randolph was averaging thirty. He was averaging thirty two points a game. For the uh, for the I forget the name of the team the Lions uh, I believe it was in um, yeah, the Chinese basketball so again yeah it's the Chinese basketball league. 32 points though that was amazing he didn't do anything like that at Duke <laughs> no no he did not oh. you know he was in 2009 uh, awarded by uh, Seth Davis of Sports Illustrated awarded the biggest recruiting bust of the decade for Duke well not for out. Duke but in college basketball um, so. Uh, suffice to say, I- I'm curious to see how the Shavik-Randolph experiment goes. But, yes, it- it- essentially it's another big body that allows them to put Fab Mello back down in the D-League or up in the D-League, as it were, uh, playing in Maine. Um, because, you know, he he just needs the reps. He needs the reps, and having him sit on the end of the bench when he's not going to play, but you still need a big body isn't helping anybody. It's not helping the Celtics, and it's not helping Fab Mello. So they brought in Randolph. He can, you know... 6'10 is 6'10. And, you know, he can stand there with his arms up in the air and uh, let Fab Mello uh, get reps with the D League.
2: Exactly. And the other guy who we mentioned, DJ White, not quite as tall. comes in at 6'9, 250, so definitely a big body.
3: Yeah, big body. played guy.
2: last couple of years, the last two and a half, uh, one and a half years with the Charlotte Bobcats. Before that, he was the Oklahoma City Thunder, though he rarely got in the game. But with Charlotte in uh, 82 games. Um, he, he's a career six, 6.3 points per game score, three, 3.4 rebounds, and hit 73% from the line, so he can't hit a free throw, which is good if you're going to be in there. And he just kind of adds a, a, another body, a, a, another guy who can rebound and, and bang, as they say, along with Kevin right. Garnett when he's in there. And that'll help also the likes of Jeff Green if the Celtics uh, decide to go I mean, big or small. It'll really help because green so versatile and also wilcox as well just to kind of keep guys off them and just do the dirty work and those are the kind of players that really weren't necessarily on the celtics roster before and now it's they're valuable they're valuable assets they're not going to give you many points but it's still part of the game and especially heading towards the playoffs against teams like indiana like new york those are big teams and you're gonna to need to have some sides to combat what those teams do down low, even if it's just as they say, another six fouls.
3: Exactly. And and DJ White, you know, he he only plays about fifteen or sixteen minutes a game uh, for his career. But, you know, he he grabs some rebounds. I think he's averaging three and a half or so rebounds for his career in yep. what, fifteen, sixteen minutes. So, you know, it's like you said, it's a big body, uh, that can bang down low and yeah, give you give you five or six more fouls. Um but uh with White, I think it's going to be, yeah, like I said, a matter of pick of the fouls. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on Jamal Crawford.
2: Well, it's it's funny, and I'm down near D.C. I'm down here in Maryland, so I was following him a bit. I followed the Wizards. It's easy to uh, hometown team, sure. so to speak. And he had, he had a really good game against Phoenix in his first game. I mean, that, if, if you're going to want – to have to play a team to get you situated with a team. It's probably going to be a team like Phoenix, who doesn't play any defense, and really <laughs> will get you into shooting groups. We score 10 points. I'm sorry. I just
3: game. realized we're talking about Jordan Crawford. I realized I said Jamal. Oh, apologize. <laughs> keep, keep going. Yeah, just, just so we're clear. We're talking about, of <laughs> no, course, Jamal Crawford, that would have been so bigger news.
2: Also on my fantasy team. And just to let you know, we will be talking to Justin Fensterman of KFF, K-F-F-L, who tongue twister, also <laughs> producer of SiriusXM for their fantasy sports channel. Uh, knows a lot about fantasy basketball. But anyway, Jordan Crawford, he's a guy, I mean, he can hit any shot on the court. The problem is he thinks he can at any time.
3: He <laughs> certainly the can.
2: confidence is good. When the skill set isn't necessarily there, that's not as good. And so after that game against Phoenix, he fouls that out with zero points against Portland, two against Utah, and four against Golden State last time out. Though he did put in five rebounds, it's still it's an important part to this bench, though. It, yeah. If you really look, at, especially if Jeff Green ever gets inserted into the starting lineup, because he's a guy that can provide instant offense, and that's something that that will be very that will be nice. It also, take some pressure off Jason Terry. Uh, not that. Terry can't carry an entire unit by himself because he's shown that he can, and especially as he's getting more minutes, he's just such an important part to this team, uh, distributing the ball as well. But it, it'll take some pressure off them, and it's just yep. it's just another threat from three-point range that teams have to worry about.
3: Yeah, and you know I don't mind uh, to a certain extent uh, just letting Crawford do his thing. You know when he when he first when he first got here he was. Trying to make an, you know, he knows his reputation, and he had a big interview uh, in, in I believe it was the Globe recently. Where he's talking about, yeah, I know what my rep is, and I know that I take a lot of shots, and that it's can be, c- you know, considered selfishness. So he got here, and he was trying to overpass. He was thinking too much. I'd rather just let him play uh, to a certain extent. He's not going to be getting enough minutes that it's going to that it's going to doom you. You can always yank him if he's if he's atrocious, but just let him play. Don't have him thinking. Don't have him trying to make a pass when the shot is there. That's why you brought him is was because he can score. Let him try to score, and
2: hopefully he can't keep doing that for the for the Celtics. So they just have that many more options on the bench. Another player, and we'll, we'll uh, just to touch on real quick before we bring we go to a quick commercial break. Um, Terrence Williams, who was on a 10-day contract, just signed on a multi-year deal with the Celtics. Now he's been. Uh, a, a nice surprise for the Celtics and really shown a, an aptitude for that even point guard role. I mean, the roster is filled with combo guards. Still not sure why Doc doesn't really bring in a true point guard uh, to back up or play instead of Rondo at the moment. Neither here nor there, Terrence Williams has shown a really nice ability to fit in with this team on the defensive and offensive end. He seems like he gets his schemes and also just he's not trying too much. He's letting the game come to him.
3: Yeah, he is. And I think all of these guys will have a better sense of what their – I think mean, we, we sort of have an idea of what their role is going to be, but but what their impact is going to be, um, you know, over the next two weeks or so as they get some practice time. And I think having a light week uh, this week was helpful for the – it was sort of good timing for the Celtics because it gives them a chance to practice, get these guys acclimated. I mean, Shavik Randolph was, was already at practice the day he was signed and, and was uh, talking about getting to uh, – work with Garnett who was taking some time out of his schedule to come and, you know, out of, out of his routine to come over and, and, you know, help Randall figure out where he needed to be and stuff. So that, that practice time will be helpful. Um, and I think we'll, we'll get a sense of what those guys impacts are going to be, you know, as we go probably the next week, two weeks and, and, and they get sort of adjusted and acclimated to playing in Boston, which is, which is a difficult thing. You know, it, there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of places to be, and there's a lot of expectations. So, um, we'll see how they do it as they as they get acclimated
2: that was some great analysis from John Lemons, my name is Daniel Baker you're listening to the Celtics Beat, we're going to step out for a quick break and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Justin Fesserman of KFFL to talk some fantasy hoops right here on CLNS Radio stay tuned, we'll be right back Don't go anywhere. The Celtics Beat returns after this.
1: Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the
0: outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every
1: Monday night. If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy and proud, because I know he loves that style of play.
0: Careless whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You
1: can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're going to hate Hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years.
0: Tune in for the Block Party with CLNS Locker Room Reporter Jared Wise and NHL Content Manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not gonna yeah. compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes.
3: It's invaluable. How much Jeff Green? means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all.
0: There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at Celticsblog.com.
1: This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio.
0: What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post game videos from the Celtics Locker Room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347 215 7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
1: This is Celtics Beat with Daniel Baker.
3: Welcome
2: back, to to the Bay Bay My name is Daniel Baker. Here with you for another about 30 minutes, just under 30 minutes, talking all things Celtics with my wonderful co-host for the day, John Lemons, and we are pleased to bring in our very special guest for the day, Justin Fencerman, who is a fantasy basketball expert and analyst for KFFL.com, and he's also a just superb producer at SiriusXM on their Fantasy Sports channel. So without further ado, welcome to the program, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me.
2: No problem. And fantasy season, in the heat of things, uh, people are gearing up towards fantasy playoffs, just like the NBA is getting ready for for their playoffs. But one of the big things for the Celtics uh, since Rondo went down and I'm sure you tracked it, and it, I'm, I'm sure it's been a big conversation. The emergence of Paul Pierce, and he's turning from a, a, a scorer you know you can count on, and not that he never really, not not that he didn't give you rebounds and assists, but he's really turning into a premier stat sheet stuffer since Rondo went down. What's, like, give us some comparisons to some other players that he's really on par with right now. It seems like He's a triple-double threat just like LeBron almost.
1: Absolutely, and Paul Pierce has stepped up when the Celtics have needed him most and now losing two point guards and a backup big man. That's going to be even more pressure on Kevin Garnett. And if you think about Paul Pierce, if you think about his stroke, you can put him up there with players like Carmelo Anthony who could shoot players like Stephen Curry who could shoot right off the pick, and that's what Paul Pierce does best in the elbow. But he can also take a step back and burn you from behind the arc So Paul Pierce's game is just very smart. You could tell that his basketball IQ is very high, and there were all these rumors of him getting traded possibly, and I never believed any of it, and I'm sure you guys never did. This guy's an iron Celtic for a reason. His mental toughness and physical toughness is what keeps him afloat in terms of his stats, in terms of his playing time, and I think Paul Pierce is just as good as he's always been.
3: Yeah, we were talking about that earlier where he, he had mentioned in the last week or so that he's been battling some uh, some neck pain for really the majority of the season, um, and Doc Rivers apparently has given him a, uh, a an excuse to take a night off whenever he needs it. He has the okay, and Pierce has, has never... Uh, sort of taken him up on it. He's, he's shown up for every game, and uh, it's a good thing for Boston. With, with Rondo down, he's turned into uh, more of a point forward.
1: Absolutely, and the biggest thing with that is that his shooting percentage remaining above 40%, right now above 42% for the season, scoring almost 19 points per game. You know, he contributes rebounds, assists. He gets over a steal per game, which he shows he has multi, multi-steal games and it shows that Paul Pierce is not going to take a night off unless he's truly hurt because that's the type of player he is. He needs to be there for his team. The Celtics are fighting for a playoff spot, and they want to get in there. And they know if they can get in there, they can surprise some teams. So they need Paul Pierce, and Paul Pierce knows that, and he's not going to sit out like some of, the, some of the guys on San Antonio, guys like Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, who I know Tony Parker's injured, but Tim Duncan you know, is going to get the occasional game out. Paul Pierce does not feel he's at that point in his career yet.
2: And the other guy on the Celtics who is going to be getting, I assume, at least a couple more games off down the stretch, Kevin Garnett. It was something John brought up recently that Bruce career shooting just under 50% from the field. Last 10 games, 14 points, 10 rebounds, but only 43%. How much is that hurting his value fantasy-wise? And and did, did you see any reason for that go for the, his, his dip, aside from is it maybe just he's a little bit tired in the middle of the season?
1: I think Kevin Garnett's got a lot of pressure on him. He's chasing people around in and out of the elbow, in the paint, out of the paint. You know, he's. it's true that he really is a forward center, and that's what he's been his whole career. Now in the last year or two, he's become the Celtics center And because of that, it's never easy. He's banging against the big boys of the league. And just because in the last few weeks he's been shooting 42% as opposed to the 50% that we're used to, it just shows that he's being a little bit greedy. He's taking a lot of those shots that are right inside the three-point line because he's being left open. And he knows he can hit that shot. But the problem is because he knows he can hit that shot. And we all know how much confidence Kevin Garnett has in his game His shooting percentage is suffering because of he's still playing over 30 minutes per game. But for a fantasy owner that's seen the dip in field goal percentage, you know, you get the nine rebounds out of him per game over the last two weeks and also the 1.4 steals. So it kind of sort of makes up for it. But definitely free throw percentage-wise, he's been down. He's been shooting just over 50%, 57% rather, from the free throw line. And in terms of field goal percentage, it has been down because he hasn't been able to get it inside. He's more open at the elbow and he'll take that shot
3: yeah it saves him burning some calories for sure and that, that's always helpful right. when you're when you get the the miles that he does um curious about your, your thoughts on jeff green and what his potential might be as a starter
1: oh i think jeff green can start actually john because it, and i've written about him at kffl because he is the ultimate combo for he is not, I don't want to call him the X factor of the team because that's going a little bit too much and too far. But at the same time, when Jeff Green is playing well and he's playing with his team and not trying to go for these wild shots and wild layups just to draw contact, I think Jeff Green is just as dangerous as anybody else out there. His outside to inside game is great, and especially for fantasy owners where he's been scoring over 11 points per game over the last few weeks. That's a great stat, and for fantasy owners, scoring is hard to come by, and consistent scoring is. So down the stretch right now, as long as the Celtics remain over 500, Jeff Green is going to still get a ton of playing time, and Jeff Green down the stretch will be needed because some of those guys are a little bit older, and Jeff Green is the young legs out there. And I think we can honestly say that after his – what happened with his heart last season where he had to sit out the entire season? He's fully over it. You see him getting back into that game in the whole season. You've, you've seen him getting his confidence back and getting back into the Celtics' rhythm. And right now he's uh, he's getting the benefits from it. That's yeah,
2: really <laughs> good. It's so nice to hear that because I'm a huge Jeff Green fan. I would be remiss because we've made it so long this far in the show without bringing him up. He had a great game against Golden State in the second half, 14 of his 18 points. Added three blocks, two assists, five rebounds. I've called him the X-Factor, Justin. Don't feel shy about doing that. He <laughs> is the X-Factor for this team because when you get to the playoffs, you're going to need someone else aside from Paul Pierce, and he is that matchup nightmare because he can also play alongside Pierce at the same time. He can play 2-3. He's really versatile. At least he can guard that, and if they're both on the floor at the same time, I've always said that most teams in the league would have trouble guarding that And I've always kind of wondered why he doesn't get inserted into the starting lineup because of that. And, yeah, he might not always be there consistently fantasy, but he does have the ability to put up Paul Pierce-like lines.
3: Right. Yeah, and And your your point about playing time? Sorry, your your point about Jeff Green's playing time is, is interesting because, you know, whether it's a starter or not, it's the playing time that's interesting to me because this is a guy that, you know, if he would make a mistake, he'd lose his confidence and he'd shut down. And he's making mistakes still. Uh, there are fewer and farther between but but it 's that it 's those reps it 's getting that playing time that I think is making a difference in in his improvement uh, I think the more he 's out there and like i said it, to me it doesn 't really matter whether it 's coming off the bench or it's uh whether it 's coming off the bench or it 's um, uh, starting uh it's it 's the playing time it 's the reps that that are making the difference.
1: Right, and if you look at right now in terms of fantasy, which we're all confused about in terms of playing time, why why he wouldn't get the love, fantasy owners are still not giving him the love that they should be giving him. Right now, looking at it, he is owned in 39% of Yahoo leagues. Why that number isn't higher, especially with playoffs coming up, you see the differences in his stats. For the season, he's scoring 11 points per game. Over the last two weeks, he's been scoring 16.8 and shooting over 53% from the field. So if he's on your fantasy team or fantasy waiver wire, rather, you go stop what you're doing and you pick him up right now.
2: So, and, and I'm sitting in second place right now, not to toot my own horn, but and definitely looking for that kind of possible last player and for other fantasy basketball players uh, out there. Definitely, that's some good advice. But the, the one thing that, and I'm I'm being a Jeff Green fan, I was kind of shy away because he doesn't actually put up some of the numbers depending on how deep your league is on a consistent basis. It's it, is is he a player you should be you you should focus on to kind of have in your lineup and just stick with him or is he someone that all right, when he's he's shooting well, I'll keep him. If he has a bad week, cuz he can disappear at times, it seems like that's a reason that I wouldn't want him on my team and that people would most likely drop him because they get disheartened. Okay, he has a couple bad games. Did he lose it all of a sudden? Is he a guy you should keep on your team or look to pick up just
1: on a weekly basis? He's a guy that you should keep on your bench right now. When he's going through these good uh, stretches where he's scoring and shooting, especially over 50%, Especially over 45%, that's the range where you want him shooting. But when he's over 50%, you start him no matter what the matchup is because Jeff Green is the type of player in that lineup that is going to cause matchup problems for the other team. When he's in, he's one of those type of players, kind of like for the Knicks, J.R. Smith. It's gonna, he's going to cause matchup problems. The team's going to be in disarray for a little bit. So if he's going through a stretch where he's shooting under 40%, keep him on your bench. But down the stretch, like I said before, guys, the Celtics are going to need him to rise to the occasion, and I, know, I believe that he's at least worth a bench spot and not just being casted away on your waiver wire.
2: Before we let you go, we definitely have to talk about your New York Knicks. You just brought them up, and I want to you to go back a little bit and to a couple games ago against the Warriors. The Celtics just beat them. The Knicks lost time out. Also overcame a just a a remarkable performance from from Stephen Curry, 54 points, six rebounds, seven assists. He also had three steals to go on top of that. Not just fantasy wise, because I, I know you're a big NBA guy, very knowledgeable fan. Would you, where would you rank that performance in all-time greats at Madison Square Garden? Because it seems like no matter how good the Knicks are, they always that arena always brings out the best. In the NBA's
1: brightest stars. Right, because that's been the perception of everybody growing up. They want to only play in Madison Square Garden. And if you go back a few years, the Knicks wanted to draft Stephen Curry and he was swiped away a few picks a pick before by the Warriors. So because of that, you know, Stephen Curry, it was certain that a great marriage going in New York. But the thing is, where do I rank on Stephen Curry's performance? It's definitely top ten, might even be top five, because everything he touched He was shooting, and he was shooting with confidence, and he never let it go. Some people are like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit before I lose my streak. Nuh-uh. He's going to keep shooting, and it's unfortunate that it was in a losing effort, but that performance was great because everything he shot just went in. It reminded me, guys, of Reggie Miller's, 1994 game five of the Eastern conference finals versus the Knicks where he just, they were, they seemed out of it, the Pacers. And then he just went off and everything Reggie Miller shot that night went in and he did it with confidence, did it with a smile on the face. And you see so many similarities in that performance and Stephen Curry's performance the other night.
2: Wow. Going real far back there, but definitely reminiscent of some of the best ever. It was, it was really, really fun to watch. And honestly, that's kind of something that might scare me as a Celtics fan, uh, if you're a Celtics fan, going forward into the playoffs, because I'm not sure there's a guy on the Celtics who will be able to put in 50 points. Maybe Paul Pierce can do that one time, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do that for a whole series against possibly the Knicks. That would be a very interesting first-round
1: matchup. Right, and I actually think, guys, that if you are a Celtics fan, you are hoping and praying you draw the Knicks, because you talked about it before, Daniel, about Madison Square Garden bringing out the best in players, and that sure as hell brings out the best in Paul Pierce. How many times I've been at the Garden personally, seeing Paul Pierce burn the Knicks, and just seeing it over and over again, he does it, he loves it. So if you're a Celtics fan, you want that Knicks-Celtics matchup in the first round.
2: It looks like if it's going to happen, it'll be that 3-6 matchup, most likely. I, I think the Knicks can probably hold it off In that spot, I mean, obviously plenty, plenty of games to go, but I don't see Atlanta passing them. Chicago without Derrick Rose, not sure they can really climb this high. It seems like they're in that top three with Indiana and Miami to stay. Well, it was very great to have you on, Justin. Thank you so much. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where do they go?
1: They go to at Sports F-E-N-S-T-Y Sports.
2: Thank you so much. Definitely give him a follow. And make sure to check out some of the work at KFFL. And if you have SiriusXM, get it. you got a lot of good content. And for all things fantasy basketball, Justin Fensterman, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Justin. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: That was Justin Fensterman talking some fantasy hoops. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it seems like Paul Pierce is really, really one of the top players for fantasy sports. And in the NBA right now, just for how much he's been able to do, uh, both scoring the ball and just distributing, just being the everything for this team without Rondo.
3: Yeah, he's he's been huge. You can't overstate Pierce's impact. And, and I think uh... – he and Kevin Garnett, uh, you know, off the floor are going to be just as valuable with uh, this influx of new players. Uh, the guys that, are in, that have been in the locker room for a long time, and, and more than that, even in the X's and O's, and, and you sort of know where to put people where people need to be. Um, Pierce and Garnett are going to be as important as ever as, as the team acclimates these new guys. Well,
2: we are going to step out for one more break before our hour is up here on CLNS Radio. You're listening to the Celtics Beat. And, John, before we go, I just want to get, get your wheels turning, get you thinking. Magic Johnson recently just came out and told LeBron that he would put up a million dollars for him to be in the dunk contest. And the winner of that would get said one million dollars. What do you think it would it's going to take for LeBron to finally say yes? We'll get John Dancer when we come back. I'm Daniel Baker. He's John Lemons. We're with you on the Celtics beat. Don't go anywhere. Stay
0: tuned for
1: more Celtics. Hey, sports fans. Tim Dunnaghy here from the Sports Connection. I know the NBA better than anybody. That's why you need to call 1-800-308-9003 for today's free pick. Thanks a lot, Timmy D. It's been a great year. Thanks to you. Guys, this is Danny D. Make sure you pick up that phone like Tim says. Give us a call for today's free pick at 1-800-308-9003 or visit us at DannyBearsAndBoy.info. This is your boy, Delonte West, and you're listening to CLNS Radio.
0: This is Mike Fay from Mike T. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We are now a credentialed member of the media. That means you can make CLNSRadio.com your one-stop shop for all Boston Celtics-related news. Oh, and don't forget our outstanding live streaming broadcasts. Get your week started Monday night with the flagship program of the network, the Celtics Late Night Show with B. Paul and Nick Gelso.
1: So you know nothing Um, about him. You don't know what he can provide quality minutes. But you like his name, Etuan.
0: Check back in Tuesday night for the breakdown with David Audley.
1: He has that veteran experience, and that's going to be more valuable than what he puts on the scoreboard as far as I'm concerned. Former
0: NBA referee Tim Donaghy takes you inside Vegas Numbers on Wednesday night with the right call. They were telling him he was crazy, and you know how those two nuts are, you
1: know. They created Tiger Woods, for Christ's sake.
0: And Tyler Tomlinson and I close out your weekend Sunday night with Mike T.
1: If I'm a big money celebrity athlete movie star, prenup, dude. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And here's the best part. You can call into our shows toll-free and voice your opinion anytime at 855-CLNS-NOW. Check us out today, clnsradio.com.
1: And now, welcome to the Celtic State with Daniel Baker.
2: Oh, the sweet, sweet sounds of the Rolling Stones bringing us in for our last segment on a... Great Sunday evening, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening. I hope you're enjoying this show as well. as The Celtics beat just our second show. And, John, we just had a nice talk with Justin Festerman about some fantasy basketball. We're going to get to the real thing, kind of. A little bit more on that, you know, not actual basketball route. <laughs> but Magic Johnson just recently came out and said, hey, LeBron. I'm going to put up a million dollars for you to participate in the dunk contest. A million dollars, will, which will go to the winner. Currently, the winner gets 100000 and the runner-up gets 50000 All All money aside, that can't be a reason for LeBron to do it. He has all the money he could ever, ever ask for, and a million doesn't seem like much. I mean, it's not much to Matt Johnson, but what do you make of this?
3: Well, it's not the money. It's a, he wouldn't do it because of the money, but it does go to make charity. him a little bit more likely to do it because of the attention that it draws because it's magic Johnson. And because it's a million dollars and because people are going to now talk about it, pay attention to it, push him to do it. Uh, ultimately though, I, I don't, I don't see him doing it. He he's been in the league, uh, for 10 years. First, that's unbelievable that he's been in the league for 10 years. He's only 28, but, um, you know, he's 28. Why wouldn't he have done it in, in when he was 27, when he was – forget that, when he was 19. You know, if he, if he hasn't done it yet, I don't see him doing it now. It would uh,
2: be interesting because it sort of seems like the dunk contest was always kind of this, like, rite of passage Yeah. Much. For, for a lot of big stars. I mean, MJ, Dominique Wilkins, just all these guys. I mean, even if you go to some of the current stars, Dwight Howard participated for many years, and, and he was definitely one of the best players in the NBA. He didn't have to. had no reason yeah. to. Blake Griffin recently won one, though he's not participating anymore. You know what? You just got to give us one show. That's all the fans ask for. At least one, one.
3: yeah. At and now, one.
2: especially, not that he hasn't done it a lot, but just in the pregame warm-up, he warm-ups he's just throwing down these ferocious dunks throwing it off the backboard to himself between the legs just going nuts and it's nice for the fans to actually show up on time in miami but he's putting on the show it's almost like he's teasing us he's like i know you want me to do it here it is even though it's not on the stage you want me to do it on
3: yeah i wonder if he uh if if he's worried he'd lose I don't know I mean he you know he's got a 44 inch vert you know and he's only like I say he's only 28 and he can still jump just as high when he's 28 uh, I don't know I don't know why he doesn't do it I mean, it's
2: hard to imagine though. it's hard to imagine him losing don't you think because going into it when you no. watching LeBron when you're watching LeBron though it's a human voting you're probably thinking oh my god it's LeBron. You might give him an extra point or two for the yeah, dunk that that's, someone else that's
3: might fair. do. That's fair. Yeah. In in terms of in terms of the actual quality of the dunk. Yeah, I mean he's a fantastic dunker obviously. But we saw
2: the off stunning thing he do, couple- He
3: doesn't do a ton of stuff like you know, he doesn't he's got sort of a signature just power dunk. You know, one hand backs crash in. But he doesn't have you know, um, there's not a lot of artistry to to the things he does, and he's starting to do that now with the pregame stuff. Um, but in games, you've never seen him do. You know, Kobe did a you know a lot fancier dunks, three sixties and
2: hey, up uh, and and Even back in the day, and that was really fun.
3: So Kobe won, yeah, Kobe won in I think 2005.
2: We can a, only hope
3: contest, but um, Vince Carter used to. You know, LeBron. I don't know if he is as good a dunker as them. We, but he – he, we, he hasn't seen it. We haven't seen it from him.
2: Yeah, we we just don't know. He has the ability to. We know he can. I mean, I remember watching the All-Star game this year, and there were so, some alley-oops where he just got up, and his, oh, his even, head, yeah. he had a duck to watch out for the backboard uh, yeah. on the way down. so
3: today, There were some incredible, Wade tossed up some alley-oops that were just amazing. I mean, look, he was 13 feet in the air. It was, it was really amazing.
2: Yeah, and... I mean, again, we can only hope. Maybe one day, but at the same time, and I, I like your point. What if he did lose? Like, I'm not sure what it would do to him. I honestly don't know if it would hurt his image that much if he lost a dunk contest. I don't think at this this point point, nobody cares.
3: Yeah, but ultimately, uh, this is a fun story. It's interesting. I, I still don't see him do it because if he, if he was going to do it, he would have done it already.
2: And uh, another story that just recently came out, that's the most fun I've had reading anything or seeing anything. Maybe in a couple years related to basketball, a guy who is very unique and has has signature I don't know, moves at least a wardrobe. Dennis Rodman, uh, recently Warm. took a trip to North Korea to meet with the president, and he came back and he was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos and said he's a friend and he actually likes the guy. Is is this when when did Dennis Rodman become the ambassador to North Korea?
3: Yeah, this is this is one of the strangest stories. I mean, I, I guess anything involving Rodman is automatically a little bizarre, um, but I, boy, this is just one of those odd stories. And he's the, the, there's fascinating quotes. And in, in, you know, he says that he he thinks that Kim Jong Un is an awesome guy. He's a good guy to me. So so C V S Sports said a, a quick write up about this and. Uh, Rodman said he was aware of north korea 's human rights record, which the State Department has characterized as one of the worst in the world, but said he wasn 't apologizing for kim here 's a quote he 's a good guy to me, Rodman said, adding that quote as a person to person he 's my friend i don 't condone what he does. Boy, that is a tough thing to to a tough thing to balance to be a really good person and have <laughs> An entire country starving at your... And put all those
2: people, all those thousands of people in in imprisonment camps, and it's, yeah, it's... It doesn't really make any sense, but because it's Dennis Rodman, and he's kind of, as Bill Simmons once said, kind of that Tyson zone, where anything you read about him, you do believe, but honestly, this still made me go, maybe double-take, and go, are you kidding me? Because as outlandish as the things that he does, he has to understand, he has to know that Saying you're friends with North Korea's president is one of the worst things you could ever do for your public image.
3: Yeah, it's it's just all around. It's a, but why does Kim Jong Un want to meet with? The, you know, he apparently Kim Jong Un is a big uh, is a big basketball fan. So that's the thing. He,
2: he loves basketball. That's what he said. And he said he wanted to tell Rodman story. to tell. He wanted him to pass along to Obama that to give him a call because you know what they like basketball. So you know maybe they have. Something that they, they can both get along with. Anyways, with time's running out, it's been a really, really fun show. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at Daniel Baker 9 It's the Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Thank you so much to John Lennon today. Really appreciate you. And our guest, Justin Besterman. we're out.
3: Great to join and See you, Daniel. Nice exit music. Yeah. All right.